0: Well, hello everyone. It's your
1: girl Gabrielle from A Step Ahead Tutoring Services. Welcome to another episode of Hot Topic. So, if you're not already familiar with us, you have no idea who we are, no idea who I am. So, this is the broadcast where we talk real talk about. Things in education, employment, mental health, physical health, or anything else that is steamy. So today is a special broadcast. I am broadcasting this live on my YouTube channel because I am gearing up for our homeschooling panel tomorrow, October 28th. 2021, in case you're watching this at a later date, and today our topic is going to be how is homeschooling legal, right? So this is the week where we're going to talk about homeschooling, what is it, how is it legal, all that good stuff, So, and this episode is in preparation for that. So if you are watching this on YouTube Live right now, as, you, as we go throughout the broadcast, if you have any questions, please put it in the chat and we will do our best to answer as many questions as possible. So this is an interactive episode. So again, if you have any questions, please type it in the chat. So today, just to reiterate, we're going to talk about the legalities of homeschooling and we're, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of that. And I have a guest with me who's going to help me out with this conversation. His name is Darren Jones, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. So Darren Jones has worked for the HSLDA, which stands for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, since 1996, first as a legal assistant and then as an attorney in various capacities. He spends his time at the office, 40% talking to members in legal difficulties, persuading them that it's not as bad as it could be, and HSLDA has got their back. 40% advising homeschool group leaders about everything from crafting statements of faith, he prefers the Nassim Creed, to designing policies to protect children at co-ops. 10% writing legal briefs and wondering how in the world documents of 30 pages can possibly be called brief. 10% keeping HSLDA and it's
0: around the country. Awesome. So I'm going to bring him to the stage right now. Hi, Darren. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing very
1: well. So thank you for joining me on this episode. And I definitely want to get into the nitty-gritty of things. So I'm going to let you get started. So if you can talk about, um, well, let's answer the basic question, of course. How is homeschooling legal? All
2: right. And I'm going to use one of lawyers' favorite phrases, which is, it depends. (laughs) So uh, here in the United States, of course, we have a federal system where we've got the national government and then we got state governments. And education is generally in the purview of the state uh, governments. And so it depends, state to state, what the laws are. So you have different laws all over the place. Um, I'll talk about Virginia a bit because that's where I live and that's where we homeschool. Um, Here in Virginia, we've actually got a couple different options. One is based very much on the idea that you as parents have a right to home educate your children, and you just file a notice of intent with the superintendent at the beginning of the year, telling a bit about your program, and then at the end of the year, you do some sort of evaluation, you pass that in. Uh, The other one is based much more on a recognition that if you are a religious family, you may have religious views that just completely exempt you from The oversight of the government. And so that's called religious exemption homeschooling. And that's really for families who are never, ever going to send their kids to public school. And then you have states like Florida, where you can maybe sign up with an umbrella school, or you could file your own notice. Maybe like out in uh, Texas, you actually start up a little individual private school in your home, and you just have to teach some basic subjects. But it's just like starting any other school. Texas just says, go ahead and and start that school and home educate. Um, California also is very similar to that in that you start a school in your own home. Um, Now in California, you do actually have to file every October a notice with the California Department of Education saying either that I'm starting this private school for just me and my kids, or you might join up with an umbrella school, kind of like Florida. And then there's all sorts of different. So New York is the most restrictive. In New York, you actually have to send in not only a full description of what you're doing at the beginning of the year, but then quarterly report cards through the year, and then one big annual assessment at the end of the year. And everywhere from there to, for instance, Alaska, which says, uh, parents are required to send their kids to public school, private school, or homeschool them, A- and that's basically what it is for homeschooling. I mean, it's just you, you teach your kid at home. Uh, there's no notice now. Of course, you know if you don't teach, then you're you're in violation of the law, um, as you are in any state. But the question of how is it legal? I'll I'll end where I started. It depends
0: where you are. Hmm. All right. So, what? Tell me why someone would want to,
1: in your experience, what are the reasons that people would choose to homeschool okay. as opposed to going to a private school?
2: Okay. Well, if you don't mind, I'll start off with a bit of my own experience because I, when I was uh, a student, I went to public school and then private school, and then I was homeschooled the last few years. And there were a couple reasons why we chose it. And and I do say we, because it was a conversation between my parents and me about what I wanted to do uh, for education for those last few years. Um, Part of it was, I knew other homeschool families who had kids a little older than me, and I liked how those kids were turning out, and I liked the education that I was seeing them getting. And I thought, I, I really like the way that looks. And so I wanna have that experience. So that was part of it for me. Uh, also, I did not particularly like the school that I was attending. Um, I was one of those you know, nice kids who kind of got bullied because I was too nice to stand up for myself. And so uh, while I had excellent teachers at the school I was at, um, I, I didn't really have many friends and I wanted an, a, a, an environment where I could focus on education, rather than which kid was coming down the hall at me. Uh, so that's a, a reason from my own experience. I've talked with families. Uh, some very much want to pass on their religious beliefs to their children, and that's why they're deciding to homeschool them. And depending on what those religious beliefs are, you may or may not find a private school nearby uh, that will pass on those beliefs or, or help you. Uh, You may be able to see over this shoulder right here, I've got a little statue on my desk from a Native American family who I helped get out of the public school back a few years ago because they wanted to pass on their indigenous religious beliefs to their kids. And the public school certainly wasn't going to help them do that. And they couldn't find a private school in the area that helped them for that. So that was their reason. Um, For some, it's because Maybe their child is gifted and talented, or maybe their child is special needs, or maybe both. So if you have a student who is ready to go into algebra when they are in grade five or six, but they have a real problem with handwriting, um, how is a public school or even a a decent-sized private school going to deal with that? They just don't have the staff and the time to give that child the very individualized attention that that child could really use to make the most progress, and so that's why some families homeschool is they want a an educational environment that is tailored to their child. All sorts of other reasons, but those are some of the major ones.
1: And how how long has homeschooling been in existence? This the practice of homeschooling the availability of it how long has this been around okay well I mean,
2: there are arguments that here in north america um some of the colonial education was homeschooling although whether that's the best thing to call it or some sort of uh, tutor option but the modern homeschool movement that one really kicked off in the 19 late 50s to early 60s um, and I actually give a, a big, long workshop about this at some homeschool conferences. Uh, but you can think of it kind of as several waves. So the first wave is the left-wing revolt against the establishment, uh, the education establishment, among other establishments. Uh, John Holt uh, was one of the big leaders there. His magazine was called Growing Without Schooling. And then you have a wave in the 70s led by Dr. Raymond Moore, and that was kind of more a we look at the child holistically. Um, it's, it was almost like a, a Benedictine way of looking at homeschooling, where you have some academics that's going on, you have community service, you have physical education, you have religious instruction, very much a whole child approach. And then in the 80s, kind of the third wave comes along, and this is the evangelical Christians. And so that one took off really fast and big. And so by the 90s, a whole lot of people thought that a normal homeschooler was kind of this right-wing fundamentalist Christian with umpteen kids and you know sure there were some homeschoolers like that and there were some who I knew in New Hampshire who were atheists and that's why they were homeschooling because they thought the public school was too religious and then there were others who were homeschooling for you know all sorts of reasons. Um it became much more kind of a uh a uh in educational choice, maybe, to think of it, uh, during maybe the early 2000s or so, uh, where it's just one option among many. Uh, I, I joke to people that I knew homeschooling had gone mainstream when I was in the line at Dunkin' Donuts in the early 2000s, mentioned to someone that, you know, I worked at this place that helped homeschoolers, and he said, oh yeah, my sister homeschools her kids. And I figured if standing in line at a Dunkin' Donuts, you can just randomly talk to someone who knows a homeschooler, it's out there and it's mainstream. And then, of course, uh, with the recent COVID pandemic in the last year and a half or so, we've seen a lot of people get into homeschooling because maybe they didn't particularly like how the public school was doing education or wasn't doing education. Their private school shut down. Maybe they decided that it was safer for their medically fragile child to be homeschooled. A whole bunch of reasons there, but homeschooling has just really exploded in the last year and a half or two. Uh, but to go back and answer your question, and I'm a lawyer, I tend to you know go off at length on these things. Um, but I would say the modern homeschool movement tracked to about the late 50s or to the 60s, I'd say.
0: So in
1: terms of the thing is your organization addresses
0: the um the laws of different states. So um I guess I'd start there. What how are the laws
1: in different states? Is it because okay. in, in my understanding it, it tends to be looser and maybe like the Midwest and it's stricter and the East Coast. So can you talk about uh the laws a little bit across the country? Sure.
2: Okay. Uh, So our organization, of course, is firmly rooted in the idea that parents have the right to homeschool. And so we've been pushing since we started in the early 80s for more freedom for parents to homeschool. Because in our opinion, you get better educational outcomes when you allow parents to figure out what's best for their family. And it's hard to do that if you're having to do paperwork all the time. Like, for example, Pennsylvania had for a long time. So um, kind of going areas of the country, the Northeast tends to be the more regulated ones in general, Uh, New York and Pennsylvania, Massachusetts is still an approval state where you have to get approval from the local school district. Depending on what your school district is, that can be pretty easy. My family actually lived there for a year while we were homeschooling, Uh, my sister was being homeschooled, and my school district in Massachusetts uh, asked us to please photocopy the tables of contents for all of the textbooks that we're using and send those in. And we did that, and we were good to go until the next August. Uh, There are some states in New England, though, that are very easy. Connecticut has, what are they called? Uh, suggested guidelines or something like that so there's actually really no law on homeschooling except that you do have to educate your kids um but new jersey the, the same way it's it's a very free state and then you just go across the river into new york and you're stuck with a whole bunch of paperwork there um the midwest is kind of uh, moderate to low regulation. So for example, Ohio is very much like Virginia that I talked about. You've got notice at the beginning and some sort of evaluation at the end of the year. You go north up to Michigan. Michigan used to have one of the worst homeschool laws in the country until we sued them and got all the way up to the Michigan Supreme Court and won a case there where it said, no, religious parents have the right to homeschool without being a certified teacher because until then you couldn't homeschool unless you were a certified teacher. Nowadays, Michigan has a very free homeschool community where you can homeschool your child as long as you're teaching required subjects. You are not required to get permission from your local school district before you start. You just go ahead and teach your kid. Illinois and Indiana are very similar that way. Um, And then as you move down south, uh, especially the Southeast, you've got a lot of homeschoolers in states like Georgia, Alabama, across into Texas. And those laws tend to be the, the moderate to freer states. Um, some of them have quirky uh, things just because of the way homeschooling worked in their state. So for example, in South Carolina and Tennessee, a lot of homeschoolers sign up with some sort of umbrella school or group and a lot of them do it independently and both communities kind of look at each other i think and ask why do you do that one when it's so much easier doing it my way um i haven't lived in either of those states so i haven't had to to make that choice Uh, i married someone from mississippi and mississippi is very free you're required to give a notice at the beginning of the year but it's a very basic one just basically dear school superintendent, I'm homeschooling my kids this year. So you won't see them at public school. Um, You move out to the West and you have interesting ones. So Washington and Oregon used to be much more restrictive and have become freer in the last uh, decade or so. And California, well, California's got a bit of an odd history. Uh, Right now, very free state to homeschool in. But there were some old cases out of the 1950s that actually said you couldn't homeschool by just starting up a private school in your house. You actually had to be a certified teacher. Uh, when it came along to the 80s, uh, people started ignoring that. And when I say ignoring uh, or or people ignoring, it was like legislators who were ignoring those cases. And departments of education would kind of waffle back and forth on how anti-homeschool or okay with homeschool they were. Uh, and then in about, oh, was it at, uh, 2007 or eight, I think, there was a court case that came down where a an appeals level court in California looked at these old cases from the mid 20th century and said, you know what? Doesn't look like homeschooling is legal as a private school. And the outcry could be heard all across the country. Um, I mean, we asked the court, when I say we, the family's attorney, asked the court to reconsider it. And the court said, sure, we'll reconsider it. And they got briefs in from the governor's office and the Department of Education and various school boards around and all three homeschool associations in California. Because, you know, California's big enough. It didn't just have one. It had three. And then organizations all around the country saying, hey, guys you really kind of screwed up on this because there are literally tens of thousands of students who are being homeschooled in California. It's totally legal. And the court looked at the law and looked at the ways that the law had changed since those court cases and said, ah, you know what? You're right. Homeschooling is a species of private school. That was the way that they described it, which I kind of get a laugh about, you know, I guess court was trying to be biologists or something. Um, So that's kind of around the country. It's everywhere from, again, Alaska uh, or Idaho, I might argue, or some of the freer states. Pennsylvania and New York are much more restrictive. And then you have a whole lot in the middle that require something. But the reason that HSLDA exists is a lot of public schools, because they're public schools and they are trying to focus on public school issues, don't necessarily know the homeschool law very well. And so when someone submits their notice of intent or something, often the public school will push for more information, because again, they're used to dealing with public school students and getting all the information that they want on them. And when it comes to homeschooling, a lot of our job as a homeschool advocacy and legal organization is telling public schools, no, you can't ask for that. No, you can't require that information. The law says if they provided this, that means they can homeschool. You do not get to ask for the kid's birth certificates or a credit card statement to prove that the family lives exactly where your mail to them is going. So that's a little bit of the rundown. If you go to our website, hslda.org, we've actually got a very handy color-coded map where you can just click on a state and it'll tell you, here are the options for homeschooling. And a lot of
0: states do have several different options that could be useful for people all right awesome awesome uh i got a question here, here. so just bear with me with the technicality
1: i'm just going to see what's okay. going on the screen oh there it is all right i live in new york and we have to hand in those hips quarterly i get a little overwhelmed with new york's requirements how do you deal with being overwhelmed by it all
2: okay um, just some of the, the wording there, uh, because New York is the only state that uses the term IHIP, I-H-I-P, uh, Individualized Home Instruction Plan. And yes, they're, they're a pain. I, I really realize that. Um, how do you keep from being overwhelmed? Um, w- one piece of advice is uh, get a quarterly report form from a reputable homeschool organization. Uh, you could do uh, New York, uh, Homeschool New York, used to be New York State Leah, Loving Education at Home. Um, HSLDA has them for our members. But if you use a quarterly report form that is designed to give only the information that's required by law, that can cut down on a lot of the paperwork rather than, I've seen some of the school districts, one that want a page per subject every quarter on what you're doing, what you're learning, which is just nuts. Um, So how do you deal with being overwhelmed? Um, This is where I tell people being a homeschooler is uh, not being a Lone Ranger. Get involved with a homeschool group, whether it is a parent support group where you can sit down and discuss strategies with each other, or even, I know some of the support groups in the late 90s would have quarterly report parties. You'd get together, several homeschool parents, and you would do your quarterly reports with appropriate adult interaction and adult beverages. Um, It was a way to kind of make it fun, even though it's paperwork. Um, So that's one way. If you have a community of homeschoolers that does co-op classes and stuff, you may actually have someone there who's very used to doing quarterly reports and can help you with it. I know down here in Virginia, one of the things that we have done just to kind of keep records through the years is as the kids finish an assignment, like a worksheet or something like that, we'll keep just a couple of those per month and put them in a box. And then every few months we can go through and see, this is what the kids have done. And kind of use that to say, all right, if we had to do a quarterly report card or something, here's how they're doing, here's what it would be. So i i always feel slightly apologetic uh when i'm talking to someone from new york because unfortunately you guys do have the most homeschool restrictions on the other hand i had cousins who lived in the adirondacks and you have the best water in the united states absolutely wonderful and if you live in new york city you have museums that your kids can get a world-class education just by visiting the museums i actually know of a homeschool group that That's how they homeschool is by meeting at various museums two
0: or three times a week. And that's what their curriculum is focused around. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for that. So now my question
1: is, um, I mean, I have a lot, but um,
0: how, how, I guess, how far does it go in terms of,
1: um, I don't know how to ask this, but in terms of, like, making sure, like, truancy officers don't come to your house or or social workers don't knock on your door saying, like, sure. what's going on? You know, okay. why, is, why isn't your kid in public school? Or, you know, like, before the, the school police come. <laughs> um yeah. So how... what can homeschoolers do to prevent the school police from knocking at their door?
2: Okay. Well, the number one thing is know what the law of your state is and then follow that law. Um, As a general rule, if you do that, your chances of having a visit from a truancy officer are very, very low. Uh, Not non-existent, but very low. So, for example, If you are in a public or a private school, it's a really good idea, even if you're starting homeschooling in the summer, to send them a letter saying, we are withdrawing from your school. Now, depending on the state, you may then also need to file a notice of intent. Uh, But if your kid has never been in school and you're in a state like Texas, for example, that does not require you to initiate contact, If you get a visit from a truancy officer, there's a form on our website called a statement of assurance that you can give them that this is an assurance that I am teaching my kid at home. You can just hand it to them at the door. Uh, Some people find that very comforting. Um, If you are enrolled in school and already having truancy problems, before you withdraw your child from the school, I encourage people join HSLDA, talk with us, Figure out the best way to extract yourself without getting into more trouble. Uh, because I've had to help families who, you know, once they started homeschooling, their kid was doing great, but they'd had so much anxiety of uh, going to school, they'd missed um, school time, or maybe they had sickness that was being exacerbated by the uh, environment in the public school. Uh, so things like this. Basically, just know what the law is and then follow the law. That is the most important thing. We've got a list on our website about avoiding CPS investigations. Um, It is not as common now as it was in the 1980s and 90s because, again, homeschooling has gone mainstream. By this time, most people know a homeschooler. Uh, Nowadays, it much often comes in the context of like, If you've got some sort of homeschool pod meeting together, uh, a bunch of homeschoolers kind of combining to teach their kids, and the social worker gets notified that hey, that family's running an illegal daycare over there, or they say they're homeschooling, but those kids are coming two days a week, and you know shouldn't they be at home doing their work? So that can be sometimes the type of thing that uh, that tends to get. More attention, um, but you know it's as long as you're in compliance with the homeschool law of your state. Again, excepting New York City, which has its own problems on this sometimes, um, your chances of being visited by a truancy officer are very low, just because you're homeschooling. If there are some aggregating factors like prior absences or an ex-spouse who is unhappy with your choice, your exposure may go up. But just for your average run-of-the-mill homeschool family, just go ahead and homeschool. Comply with the law of your state and don't worry about it. And chances are very, very high. You'll never hear anything from the school district that
0: you aren't supposed to hear. Good to know, good to know. So another question I have is, does can you ever be forced into well well i'll look at it both
1: ways so one way can you ever be forced back into public school or private school um is there any possible way that oh like let's say like in homeschooling the the child is not doing well academically or you're not reporting um, or what you're reporting, like poor performance or something like that, can the student be forced back into um, public school or or forced, well, I'll say forced out of homeschool? Is, is okay. that possible? Uh, it is
2: possible. And I actually know a few families where that's happened. It's rare. Um, it almost always occurs in the context of a family dispute. Uh, And usually it's between the two parents, because when you have both parents on the same page and they want their child homeschooled, for the government to step in and say, no, you can't homeschool, that's pretty serious, requires a lot of proof of harm, and really requires that the government, you know, do its job, do this huge investigation, and actually find that the kid is being harmed by homeschooling. And and that is exceptionally rare that that happens. What happens more frequently, and it still isn't frequently, but let's say mom and dad have been on the same page, but now they are splitting up and divorcing. And suddenly one spouse decides, you know what? I don't want my child to be homeschooled. Now, this is often in the context of child support where one spouse decides, you know what, I don't want to pay child support. So my spouse is going to have to go to work so that I don't get dinged with all the child support. So that means, of course, both of us are working. And so the child needs to go to school. That might be private school. It might be public school. That's going to depend on the family's finances. That happens sometimes. Um, And there, it's not really a case of, well, I as the parent have the right to homeschool and you, the government, can't tell me no. It's I, the parent, have the right to make educational decisions. And I, the parent, have the right to make educational decisions. What happens when we don't make the same decision? And that's where you have to get a judge involved saying, well, what's best for the kid? And so that's where sometimes what happens is you go to court and you actually like go through the kid's curriculum. This is how they're doing. They have always been homeschooled or they're failing in public school. We need to try something different. And it can become a fairly contentious part of a separation or divorce. Um, It's never pretty when that happens. But to finish the answer to your question, yes, infrequently, uh, people can be forced to stop homeschooling. It's never an immediate thing where it's like, One day you're homeschooling, and suddenly the next you're not allowed to, unless there are some other serious issues, like you know, the child has been removed for child abuse or something like that.
0: Okay, awesome.
1: All right, so now let's look at the other way. Um, Can you ever be forced into homeschool? Um, I was talking to a parent, and she told me. she, with, with what's going on with the, the vaccination, she, um, for religious reasons, she didn't want the, the COVID vaccine. And so because of that, um, she had to homeschool because of that. So I was wondering if you can talk more about, in general in general, if you
0: can ever be forced to homeschool. Um I'm not I I think the only
2: state and it that's a difficult one to answer because in general the answer to that is no, you can't be forced to homeschool. But you can be uh rejected from the public school if you don't comply with the immunization laws of your state. Um New York, that has been a big one over the last couple of years, and so a lot of people have had to choose home education. Uh, Not that they are being forced to homeschool, but that New York law requires them to educate their child, and they can't do it by sending them to public school, and they can't do it by sending them to private school, which pretty much in New York leaves you with the option of homeschooling. So I suppose in that case, you could say, yes, they're being forced to homeschool. Um, Most states, though, have some alternatives beside that. For example, California has the private tutor law. So if you're not able to send your child to public school or private school due to their immunization status, then instead of homeschooling, you could get a tutor. Uh, New York, actually, you can do that. I mean, in New York, you as the parent have to file the paperwork. But if you want to hire someone else to do the teaching for your kids, you can totally do that. Um, What you can't do is band together as several families and say, well, we're going to hire one person." to teach all of our kids, uh, that's very questionable under New York law. And if you wanted to do that, I'd strongly suggest you talk with a lawyer before doing it. Um, California, that's not as much a problem out there. So, you know, can a person be forced to homeschool? Um, Circumstances may make it so that homeschooling is the only option because every state requires you to have your child educated. But does that mean you have to be the one doing the teaching? I, I really can't think of any or or many states where that would be the case, because I think all of them allow some other option for you to hire a tutor or something similar if you aren't able to send them to public or private school.
1: Okay. Awesome.
0: All right, and just a reminder: anyone, any viewers, if
1: you have any questions, type them in the chat, and I will see if uh, we can answer them for you. All right, so I'm, let's. I'll continue.
0: Uh, what was my other question? Yes. So, um, I heard that um, you can't like you could only homeschool. Uh, and like how do I explain it
1: like you can hire a teacher for your child but it has to be for the one child so like if a group of parents wanted to get together and hire the one teacher for um for that group like the kids have to be in the same family or something like that can you elaborate that a a little bit more And I'm going to use that
2: same phrase that I started off with for the very first question, it depends. Uh, There are states, for example, in Pennsylvania, where you file your homeschool paperwork and then you can hire, uh, or I'm sorry, you you hire a tutor for your family. They have to be a certified teacher. And that tutor is only allowed to teach one family. Um, That's a legal way of, of, it's not really... Home education. It's a different part of the law in Pennsylvania, uh, but it's a way that some people homeschool. You just hired a tutor, and they make it very clear it's only for one family. North Carolina says two families can join together in a homeschool. So, you know, if you wanted to homeschool your kids and your sister's kids, that would be totally fine. But if you had a third family, I mean, getting together one afternoon a week, that's fine. That's your normal homeschool co op. But if you're going to do it all five days, North Carolina says, no, you can only have two families. Um, There are some states like California where the teacher just has to be certified for that grade level. And often that can be like, you know, if you have a high school certification, you may be able to teach grades seven through 12 or something. And there's nothing that says it can be just one family. So it really depends on which state you're in. There are some states where it is easier, Illinois and Indiana. since Anyone who is homeschooling is their own private school. Starting up a private school is really quite easy, so it doesn't really matter how many families you have meeting together. Um, You know, Florida is, it it requires home education to be directed by the parent. So uh, it's a question there, you know, what does directed by the parent mean? Um, So could you have several families getting together? maybe um so yeah it's different state to state uh there are some states uh, again where it's harder uh Washington state for example it's kind of difficult to see how you could have multiple families getting together looking like a school but saying no we're homeschool New York of course I said that's that's a real problem there uh but then New Jersey eh, I think you're fine having a whole bunch of families getting together so yeah, I hope that's enough elaboration. It's just one of those things where, if you want to uh, get in touch with HSLDA, we've got some information on that. But again, we focus on the right of an individual family to teach their own kids. That's really where our focus is.
0: All right. So um, I guess one of the the misconceptions about
1: um, homeschooling is child abuse so like um some people take advantage of the homeschooling system so they can it's it's easier to abuse a child um school system um so i guess what do you say to those people who say like that you know homeschoolers are just abusing their children
2: Right, well, unfortunately that has been one of the misconceptions about homeschooling since, again, the 60s, the first wave of homeschooling. Um, And it's just plain not true. There are child abusers in the homeschool community. I can't deny that. There aren't more than in the private school community or the public school community. Unfortunately, child abuse is one of those things that has happened. And thankfully now is happening far less than it did. If you look at the statistics for child abuse in America since the seventies, it has gone down amazingly. And a lot of it is because people are more aware of it. So does homeschooling provide more of an opportunity for child abuse? No. Homeschoolers, are we care about our kids. Uh, A lot of us, one of the major reasons we are homeschooling is we want to give them what is best. And in Every state, even, you know, the very free ones like Texas and Michigan and Alaska, you're still required to teach your kids. It's not that they're unregulated. It's just that they're freer than a lot of other states. And so if the state has evidence that the child is not being educated, the state can step in. So, you know, the the argument that homeschooling somehow gives uh, more of a scope for it The
0: evidence just simply doesn't uh, doesn't show that. Okay. So, in in terms of like the type of the the type of parent,
1: or I guess the type of family in terms of um, homeschooling, do you think? I guess I'll put it like this. Do you think anyone can homeschool, whether that's parents who work from home or parents that are essential workers? They work nine to five jobs. Is it easier to do it when you know you're at home versus you have to go out and work? So is it favorable for certain types of people? Oh, um, well, I'll answer
2: your last question first. Is it more favorable for certain types of people? Yes. Uh, Homeschooling works better for parents who are really engaged in their kids' lives. Uh, And that could be someone who works, as you said, a standard nine-to-five job. It could be a stay-at-home parent. It could be someone who works night shift. Um, I've talked with homeschool parents in all those situations. I've talked with single parents who work and then come home and homeschool in the evenings and on weekends. Uh, That is really hard. Um, but I've talked with parents who do it because they think that's what's best for their kids. Um, I think that everyone has the right to homeschool, and my experience is, I'd say, give it a try. Um, That's what my parents did. When I asked them if I could be homeschooled, I was finishing up 10th grade, and they took it on kind of an experiment to see if it would work, and I have two younger siblings, and So they said, all right, let's try this for a year. And my sister, I believe, was going into fourth grade and she graduated from homeschooling. They liked it well enough that they just kept doing it. But it was an every year decision. Let's think about, will this work for this year? And I know a lot of families who try homeschooling and it works some years. And some years they say, you know what? It will be better if we do a public or private school. Or maybe this year you're going to go live with aunt and uncle in a different state and they will teach you. Uh, I've seen that too. Um, the, the nice thing about homeschooling, the thing that I really like about it is its flexibility. It can be done from, with parents who are working at home. Um, you've got great online and video programs where the kids, especially the, the older ones, like uh, middle school and high school. Um, they can actually do a lot of their own stuff and you're just kind of there supervising and making sure they do their homework and stuff. Um, my is in 10th grade. She signed up for two online classes this year. And yeah, that's my role basically is to help her make sure she's doing her homework. Um, but for families, maybe a single parent or both have to work or something. Yes, you can do it um you're just going to need to figure out what works for your family and it may look totally like the homeschool family over this group and it might be completely different from them again flexibility i tend to like that about homeschooling
1: all right
0: awesome awesome
1: all right and i switched to my desktop so i finally got it together okay um all right so are my other questions? I feel like I have so many, but I can't think of it all. Oh, wait. We just got another question on the screen. I'm going to put it up right now. How do you deal with kids that are in different grades? Okay.
2: So this is one. First of all, I will put in a little plug. HSLDA actually has consultants on staff that you can call and talk to about that very question. Um, some families have worked this really, really well, um, especially if you have kids who are very close in age. So for example, my first two who have now graduated, uh, they're only a year, year and a half apart. And so for a lot of their elementary school, we just had them do a lot of the same work. Um, you know, if they were in fourth and fifth grade, they might be doing a different math or they might be doing the same. Uh, If you've got a child who's, you know, maybe the older one's a little behind or the younger one's a bit ahead, you can combine on the curriculum. Often though, what you can do is if you get, for example, a history curriculum package, like I'm using with my uh, uh, middle schooler right now, he's in seventh grade, we're doing a four-year history program. And besides the textbook that comes with it, it also comes with the teacher's manual and has a list of... If you have kids who are about this age, do this project with them. So you sit down and you read the history book together, and then you give these kids this assignment, like build a pyramid out of sugar cubes. And the one who is in high school is instead going to mummify a chicken. You're both studying about ancient Egyptian history. You'll both be reading things, but they'll be doing different level projects on it. Maybe as you read along in the ancient uh, Egyptian history, Your younger ones will learn a couple of the Egyptian myths, and your older one will have to write an essay on how the pharaoh came to be worshipped as a god and what were the implications of that as they interacted with various civilizations around them. And so that's going to require extra library trips and research and things like that, whereas the younger kids, eh, they don't need to know about that. They can just learn about Osiris and Ra and Isis and some of the others. Uh, so that is one way to deal with it. How my wife and I have dealt with it is we've got kids the the younger ones are kind of spaced, so it's not as easy to do things together like that. And we have just basically done that. My wife often deals with some of the younger kids stuff, and I deal with the older kids subjects. That's one way to do it. Um, but it's kind of, it's dependent family to family. It really is. And so. Yeah, especially if you're dealing with a whole bunch of young ones. If I were you, I would talk with a homeschool parent who has done this and can give you really practical advice of, I used this curriculum, we did these things together, we did these things on different level, this is how it worked for us. I am a huge believer in not reinventing the wheel. Talk to
0: people who have done it before you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So before you were talking about,
1: um, um, well, just now you talked about homeschool parents. So where where can people find um, meet up with other homeschool parents, or, or where can people find like co-ops or like resources like like that? Where can people okay. find things like that?
2: All right. So a couple different places. Um, One way to start is just go on Facebook and look for homeschool groups. Uh, So for example, I live near the city of Winchester, Virginia. So I would type in homeschooling, Winchester, Virginia. And I know there are at least three Facebook groups uh, there and at least two of them have kind of an in-person connection where you can go and be part of a co-op. So if you're on Facebook, that's one place to check it out. Every state has at least one and often several state homeschool organizations. So, for example, up in Maine, you've got uh, HOME, H-O-M-E, Homeschoolers of Maine. Uh, In California, you've got three, Christian Home Education Association, uh, Homeschoolers of California, and my apologies if you're in California, I'm sorry, I forget the third one. But look for your state organization. They often have lists of co-ops. I'll plug our website. If you go to hslda.org, we've got a menu there for find a group near me and you type in your zip code and you can find all the groups that are listed on our website within 250 miles. Um, Or you can look for online groups as well. So those are places to find them. Also check your local library. Um, Our library is a hangout spot for a lot of homeschool kids. The children's librarian loves homeschoolers, and we've got resources for homeschoolers. And so check the library, uh, bulletin board, check with the children's librarian or the youth librarian. Often they will know where the homeschool co-ops are in the area. And in fact, the answer may be they're meeting here at the library in our meeting room.
1: Mm. Awesome. Amazing. Amazing. All right. So we're almost almost ready to, to wrap up. Um, <clears throat> so is, is there like a union? Like, is there like, like a fee you have to pay every month to the homeschool, to, um, to the homeschool association of something or something like, does it, is it unionized? Is there some sort of fee to be able to do it? In order to just homeschool? Thank God. No, absolutely
2: not. However, there are a lot of organizations out there that support homeschooling, and a lot of them are membership and therefore dues-based. So for example, if you join a local co-op, it might be like the one that I was in, was just seven homeschool families together, no money changed hands, the parents taught the classes, we got together every Monday and Wednesday afternoon, You know, no money there. But you have other homeschool co-ops, like I talked with one down in Tennessee recently, that had 500 kids who were getting together every Wednesday afternoon that one has fairly substantial membership dues because you're getting really good classes there. Uh, Again, I mentioned the state organizations. A lot of those state organizations have memberships where you can sign up. Uh, Some of them even have different levels of membership that you can join at. Uh, And so I always encourage people, join at least one of your state organizations. I'm I'm a member of both of my state homeschool organizations. And then Homeschool Legal Defense Association also is membership. Um, Certainly not required for homeschooling, but I've worked here 25 years. I think we're a pretty good organization and a pretty good deal. That's $125
1: a year. Hmm. So basically, homeschooling is free to do. Homeschooling, actually, I've talked
2: with some families who it is almost free to do. Because you can actually give your kids a really good education through use of your local public library. Now, of course, that's in most places supported by taxes. So, you know, whether it's actually free or not, we could have a nice debate between the conservatives and the libertarians and the progressives on that. Um, But, yeah, homeschooling, you can just go ahead and do it without spending money. Most homeschool families are going to spend a few hundred to... You know, between one and two thousand per kid um per year on things like joining a co-op, getting online classes, textbooks, things like that. Uh but yeah, I've talked with families who literally the only money they're spending is the gas to go to the library. And boy can you get some great education at your local library.
1: Awesome. So A plus for libraries. Okay. Amen to that. <laughs> so um I just, um, so I also heard that even if you're homeschooling, you still have to pay the school taxes. Is, is that true? Um, in every place that I know,
2: um, the school taxes are usually funded by property. So if you're renting or owning a place, your property taxes are going to support your local school. And so that doesn't matter whether you have kids, whether you don't have kids, whether you used to have kids, whether you might have kids someday, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's taxes goes to fund the local police, the local fire,
0: and the local school. Ah, fabulous. All right. Um, I'm trying to think if uh, if you guys, sorry, anyone
1: viewing right now, if you have any other questions, type them in the chat. Uh, we're just getting ready to, to wrap up. So let's uh, start concluding now. So do you have any final advice that you like to give to our viewers, anyone who wants to homeschool or um, actually before we get there, I just have one more. Um, So do you have to, um, it seems like you have to register to homeschool every year. Is that right? Or is it like one and done?
2: Well, if you remember my favorite phrase, it depends. Um, There are some states where it's one and done. Arizona, uh, Florida, I think is notice of intent just once. Georgia, maybe? Not sure about that. Don't quote me on that. Um, Here in Virginia, it's every year. Uh, And then for example, Michigan, it's never. It does
1: just depend on the state. Okay. And another question. Um, So I also heard that you can, homeschool and do regular school at the same time. So you can homeschool from like 9 to 12 and then send your kids to public school 12 to 4. Is that true?
2: Um, <laughs> I, I, sorry, I keep saying it depends. So part of that is going to depend on your state law. Uh, and part of it's going to depend on your local school. So for example, here in Virginia, um, my kids are registered as Homeschoolers. And that's actually how we do all our classes. But there are some homeschool students who I know um, who have registered as homeschoolers, but actually take a lot of their classes at a local private school. You know, maybe three classes a day, and then they do the others at home. Um, here in Virginia, local school districts, public schools, have the option of whether to allow kids to take classes at their school. And so in my school district, if I wanted to, I actually looked into this, I could sign my kids up to go take Spanish, and they'd have to go to public school, you know, that one period a day, every day. Um, I decided that was kind of a pain in the neck, and I didn't want to, but I've talked with families who take, you know, two, three classes at their local public school. Uh, At some point in most states, you kind of have to pick and choose, are you a homeschooler, or are you a public school student? Now. There are also some states where that line's kind of fuzzy because, like in California, legally, you can sign up for public school through a charter school, but your kid will never actually go to a school. All the uh, schooling is being done at home. They aren't technically homeschooling. They're public school students. But if you look at them, they look like they're homeschooling. Uh, So it it really, it, it does depend on the state. It depends on the school district you're with. Some school districts are like, no, it's all or nothing. And some are like, yeah, you wanna come for four classes a day, fine, be my guest. And then, you know, we'll give you the transcript for just those grades. It's again, homeschooling has a lot of
1: flexibility for what's best for your family. All right, and this will be my last personal question before um, before the conclusion. And again, if you guys have any other questions, feel free to type them in the chat. so is do, do this do the public schools and private schools are they aware that your child is homeschooling or or is it private to the to the powers that be? Okay. um kind of
2: that also depends on which state you're in. So, for example, uh, in Oklahoma, where you actually have a constitutional right to homeschool the public school may never know that you're homeschooling until you graduate your kid and send them to college and they find out you know you're now in the university of oklahoma uh system um others like here in virginia it's kept at the superintendent's office so when i send in my notice of intent it goes to the superintendent's office it's kept there um, my local school might at some point know that I was homeschooling my kids, but that's because I've reached out to them and had you know, kids take SAT or AP classes or AP tests uh, through the local school. Otherwise, they'd have no idea. Um, up in New York State, uh, you get in touch with the local superintendent and depending on how they work with different counties and stuff, It might be kept at uh, BOCES office, the Board of Cooperative Education Services, or it might be kept at your local school. Not that it's necessarily supposed to. Sometimes this has caused problems in big bureaucracies. For example, the New York City school system, where your local school and the school district don't really communicate real well. And we actually had a lawsuit back a few years ago where we sued and won because a family got investigated by child protective services even though they'd filed all their paperwork, it was just that the New York school district hadn't notified the school fast enough. Um, but uh, again, in most places, you're communicating with the school district, which depending on how big your district is,
0: might have three schools in it and might have you know, 20. Mm. All right, and I just got a question
1: that just popped up here. Do you know if in New York, you can still opt your, opt your kids out of state testing for seventh grade?
2: All right. So again, New York has rather complex and Byzantine laws. The law requires you at the end of the year to do some sort of assessment in grades nine through 12. That has to be a standardized test in grades uh, one through three. It can be a standardized test, but it can also be an alternative evaluation. And then in grades four through eight, it has to be a standardized test every other year. So if you had your kids take a standardized test in grade six, they do not have to do standardized testing in grade seven. Um, If on the other hand, you did the alternative in grade six, then yes, you would have to do a standardized
1: test in grade seven. I hope that answers what they were asking. All right, awesome. And I know we're a little over time. I don't know if you have to run. Um, so in, in general, like in schools, um, just a, along with that question, um, you know, parents can opt their children out of testing. So does that, I guess it depends on the state, but, um, you know, can you know, can parents opt out of doing assessments or during homeschooling. Okay.
2: You can't opt out of doing assessments if your state requires assessments. However, just like in public school, let's say, for example, you have a child with Down syndrome. Um, Obviously, as they're finishing up third grade, you are not going to give them a standardized test at the third grade level. Instead, you will do an alternative assessment and as long as you have your child diagnosed with a learning disability or something like that where you have um you know someone who's diagnosed the child as you know standardized testing for this kid just plain isn't going to give an accurate representation of where they are um then you can do an alternative assessment uh, in a lot of states, they actually give you that option right in there. But even the ones that say you have to do standardized testing, if your kid has been in the public school and had an IEP while they were there, or if you have them evaluated by an education specialist who you know can write a letter saying, don't give this child a standardized test, it will be worse than useless, then you just present an alternative assessment to the school district along with that letter. And i have not seen that be a, be a problem. Um, it's just, it's one of those things. School districts, at least in, in my experience, they tend not to be very flexible, but when they're dealing with a child who has special education needs, uh, they are sometimes, sometimes uh, more willing to bend than for other kids. That would be one where I would say, if you're trying to um, have your child assessed in an alternative way, but your state requires standardized testing that year, I would recommend join HSLDA and talk with a lawyer before you get there, rather than after you run into problems with school.
1: Awesome. All right. So we're going to conclude now. Um, so do you have any final advice for the people watching, anyone interested in homeschooling or, um, any, any words of advice that you'd like to give right now?
2: I will end with uh, two or three things. First of all, if you haven't homeschooled in the past and you think it might be something to try out, I'd encourage you, give it a try. Uh, it, I've seen homeschooling work in so many circumstances. It just plain is a way to give your kids a good education. So that's one. Number two, and this one is specifically for the dads out there, dads, homeschooling is fun. Don't let your wife have all the fun of homeschooling. This is a team endeavor. Both of you have the opportunity to pass on a love of learning to the kids. And homeschooling is just plain fun. I mean, you get to read science books with your kids and history and study great literature and that's cool. And the third one I will end with, just because I'm a lawyer, I work for HSLDA, please, please, please find out what the homeschool law is in your state and then follow that homeschool law and you will avoid a multitude of problems.
0: All right, awesome. All right, so I'm gonna put up your banner. Give me a
1: second. there we are. All right, so... If you have any questions for Darren, if you know his contact information is scrolling below, and he mentioned several times about the HSLDA, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, Uh, please go to their website www.hslda.org. We definitely encourage you to look up the laws of your state. So. If you go to the website, I think there's like a drop-down box where there's all the states there, to, <clears throat> excuse me, and, I, and even some countries, I noticed. So, oh, yeah. Um, so go to the drop-down box, click your state, and learn the laws of your state. So definitely we encourage you to go to that website to learn more. And if you want to well, – oh, I didn't put your email – but if anyone wants to speak to you directly, can they email you? Can they call you? Yeah, give our office a call. That would be the best thing to do. Okay, and what is the office phone number?
2: 540 338 5600.
1: I'm going to type that right now. Okay. Right.
2: So, say it again? 540. 540- uh-huh. 338. 338- 338
1: 5600. 540-338-5600. Okay. I'm going to put that in your banner. Okay. Right now it is coming. Yeah. So if you have any questions, you want to speak to somebody um, about the laws of your state, feel free to give them a call. The number is there 540 338 5600. Awesome. Okay. So this is the point of our Hot Topics episode where I usually um, talk about our crowdfunding campaign, but as you guys are a nonprofit, I'm going to give you that honor. <laughs> so there is a, a little video that I'm going to play, and then I will uh, have you, Darren, talk more about your organization.
0: Okay. Morning, Sunshine. Made you something? It's empty. It's empty for now. The root systems hold all the dirt in place, so the soil doesn't- Mom? What are you doing? What is this? We're learning about ecosystems, and this is a forest. What are all these other doors? Go find out. What are you waiting for? Hi. There's a good hold up to your left. Is that Mom?
2: You want to go next? Don't worry, I'm holding the rope down on this end, so Mom's not going to fall. It's a basic pulley system where the weight and the distance are directly proportional. Yeah,
0: that sounds really, really cool, but I got a lot more things I'm going to see. Just a little higher. Got this. pretty beautiful huh? Are you looking at constellations?
1: Even cooler. They're called nebulas. You want to see?
0: What do you think? I love it. So when we're done here, where do you want to go next? Awesome. All right. So can you talk about
1: your organization a little bit? If anyone wants to donate to support your nonprofit, where can people donate? All that good stuff.
2: Okay, great. Well, thank you. Um uh, so as far as our organization, we're a 501c3 organization. If you want to give a donation, you can actually just go to our website. As most 501c3 organizations do, we have a nice big donate button right at the top. Uh, Or you can join up as a member, um, or you can do both. So let me tell you four things that I think are the best about our organization. First of all, you've heard me keep harping on you need to know your state's homeschool laws, and you need backup if your local school district starts pushing back and saying, No, no, you have to do more than that says. That's why our organization was founded in the 80s. It's still kind of the core of our name, uh, Homeschool Legal Defense Association, but we do a lot more than that. Um, We also have a whole lot of education consultants on staff for our members. So if you're a member with HSLDA, you can call and talk to someone about what curriculum to use for your preschool and kindergarten, how to get into college, how to teach your special needs child. We have consultants who are outreaches to the Hispanic and black communities. If you want to focus on bringing those heritages into your homeschooling. So that's our consultants. We also have the HSLDA Online Academy, which is eighth grade and high school classes. Uh, I mentioned my daughter is taking an online class uh, this year. One of them's through the HSLDA Academy. Several other of my kids have done it. It's worked really well. They're priced very competitively and they are really top-notch academic classes. Everything from uh, Algebra one to Advanced English, a lot of AP classes if you've got kids who really wanna get a jump on college and get some AP credit. And then lastly is our charitable arm called HSLDA Compassion. This is where we help homeschool families who are in trouble somehow. Maybe it's that a spouse has died and they need money to continue homeschooling. So we have a widows and widowers fund. Maybe it's because their house burned down or got flooded and they lost all their homeschool curriculum. Uh, We actually sent carloads of curriculum down after several of the recent hurricanes in Louisiana and Texas. That was funded by people who donated to HSLDA Compassion. Uh, that money gets given to homeschool groups around the country so they can help homeschool families, especially those who are new to homeschooling, might need someone to come alongside. So those are some of the things our organization does. Like I said, I've worked here 25 years. I love working here because we get to help homeschoolers in a variety of circumstances. And I just think that's
0: playing a great life to have. muted aha yeah thank you so much for for um for joining
1: joining us today and thank You're you welcome. for answering all those great questions it was much 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 appreciated and i am going to put you backstage all right you guys thank you so much for
0: joining us i'm just gonna look or my banner. Give me one second. Where? Where are you? Ah. Okay. All right. And it is just
1: you and me. So this, just a reminder um, that you are watching this on the A Step Ahead Tutoring Services YouTube channel. And if you would like more information about A Step Ahead Tutoring Services, about our products, our services, our workshops, or if you just have any questions about the organization in general, you can visit us online. Our website is services.com. You could also follow us on our numerous social media accounts our information is scrolling below. So please give us a follow. And those of you who are watching us on YouTube right now, take a moment and and hit that subscribe button. Um, You will um, see more of our videos and clips. And let us know what you thought about today's episode by leaving a comment in the comment section below. So your support will be greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated. And just to remind you that tomorrow, October 28th, is our homeschool panel, and it will be at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so I hope to see you there, and it will be on the same YouTube channel that you are watching this right now. So, thank you so much for joining us. I hope to see you at the homeschool panel on October 28th, depending on when you're watching this. and Feel free. Please reach out to HSLDA.org if you have any questions about homeschooling. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I will see you soon. Signing off. Bye.